0: If you live out sort of yes and, share the spotlight, make your partner look better than you, people like you more, people trust you more, you begin to trust other people more. So it was the communal part probably that let me realize, oh, what's going on is I'm depressed because I wasn't in those three hours in the classroom.
1: This is a Soul Fire production. You are listening to episode 160 of Yes And, and this episode is brought to you by our studio sponsor, Advocare. Guys, Advocare is awesome. They're one of my favorite supplement companies. And if there's a time to think about your supplement game and invest in your health? Well, it's right now. It's this moment. It's this very day. So check out AdvoCare. And when you do, don't pay full price. Use my code FEELBETTER15. That's FEELBETTER15 to get discounts and support this podcast. When you do, I'm telling you, their supplements from a fitness perspective, rehydrate, biofuel, pre-workout, have my workout game on so many levels. And if you want to try out AdvoCare before you buy it, did you know we'll send you product? All you got to do is leave a five-star review of this podcast on iTunes, screenshot that review, email it to me at hello at judyholler.com, hello at judyholler.com, and we will send you some of my favorite products right to your doorstep. So a great way... To try before you buy. But if you're already an OG member of the Advocare family, don't forget to use that code FeelBetter15 to get yourself some discounts. All right, guys. So we are back at you with another mindset podcast episode. So, you know, here on the show this year, I am picking four themes every month. So each episode is going to kind of have a theme. And the first episode of every month, we are going to uh, tap into the yes and mindset, just the mindset of mental health and extreme mental wealth in general, because that's really what it takes to be a leader and to be creative and to build anything new and exciting in this world. We've got to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. And so uh, we're talking about mindset today. And I really think the yes and Mindset. Let me back up. I know the yes and mindset is a critical one. If you want to create, do, or be anything incredible in this world, right? And my goodness, the name of the show is Yes, and with Judy Holler. So I was like, we've gotta, we've gotta tap into this this conversation. And I did not want to uh, have that conversation alone today. You've heard me for years talk about the yes and mindset, and the yes and concept isn't new. You know, it's something we learn in improv 101. Uh, it is a very famous improv theater concept. The the first one we learn. So how does that look outside of an improv classroom and in a boardroom, in leadership, in creation, and really in the momentum that is required to move through anything sort of personally and or professionally? So I thought I'd bring on my friend Joe Boyd today, who also has the yes and mindset, uh, to have a conversation about it. So um, he is not only the CEO of LeaderCast and... uh, the founder of a creative agency called Boon Rise. He's a friend and, and a professionally trained improviser as well, who also studied at Second City when they had a studio in Las Vegas. And he's got a lot of friends in some really cool places from a comedy perspective. He also has Yes And tattooed on both of his forearms. So this is a guy like me who takes the concept of Yes And in life and business very seriously. And I don't know if you guys remember me telling you the story Uh, I think I wrote about it in my newsletter. maybe late last year. But anyway, Joe is the guy who called me in October, two days before he needed a keynote speaker for a live event airing to over 50,000 people. And one of their headliners, Lisa Billiou, came down ill and he was looking for a pinch hitter ASAP. And he called me. I was serendipitously wide open on my calendar. So I said, hell yes, baby, let's go. And it ended up being one of the best talks of my life and one of the most transformational experiences because it was the first time I gave a speech with no slides or no live improv, both of which, no audio visual, right? Like both of which have always sort of been a massive part of my work, right? So it was a great opportunity for me to really yes and myself, my work and my experience. And it's been a decade and I knew I was ready, right? I've been speaking for 10 years. I knew I was ready. And I was so grateful that Joe thought to call me and and trusted me with a really big opportunity. And it truly cracked open so much for me because it proved no matter what, I have everything I need inside of me. And I am ready and I am worthy and that we have to be willing to say, yes, I am ready for this opportunity. And even though I'm scared... I'm going to do it anyway. We have to be able to do that if we want to make big changes in our life. So personally for you, for me, for us moving forward. What does yes and look like? What does this mind look like in leadership, in life, in creativity, in the way we build our businesses? And how can we use this concept and this mindset to create environments where people feel safe and seen and valued, right? Especially if we're leading a team. So Joe and I are going to talk about just that. So get ready to transform your your mind, your creativity, your leadership Style and to really grow into a human being that is going to lead with more love, more trust, and most certainly more courage. So here's my chat with Joe. It's juicy. Buckle up. All right, Joe Boyd, I am so hyped to have you on the show. First of all, socially, I get a little excited when I get fellow improv friends on, you know, people who have come out of. The theater. The theater. You, my friend, have come out of the theater. So here's the thing. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. Um, And I usually end every show, like when I have a guest on. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but I end asking every guest, like, what does, the name of the show is Yes And with Judy Holler. So tell me in your words what Yes And means to you. And I'm like, how do I have Joe Boyd on the show talking about Yes And leadership? And guys, Joe has tattooed on his forearms, on his, I think his right forearm, the word yes. Yeah, I
0: don't know how to show you. but yeah, we it's, Well,
1: it's, yeah, like you go like this for, for the, the video. Yeah, there we go. I don't know how, do don't be. Know how to do it kind of never had to do it before. We never had to do it. Okay, well, whatever, guys. Use your imagination. But on his right forearm is the word yes, and on the left is the word and. So he's got yes and tattooed on his body. So y'all, he's one of us. And so I'm thinking, hold on. We can't end the show with yes and. So, Joe, you have tattooed yes and on your body. You've come out of Second City. You understand the improv mindset. We're going to talk about yes and leadership today, but let's begin where it always ends, which is yes and. What does that mean to you? What does those two words sort of bring up for you at its essence?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's uh, obviously it means uh, a lot and it's evolved through my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the improv meaning, but that's not why I got it tattooed on me. Uh, I wasn't so Mm -hmm. bad of an improv improviser that I had to put it there to remember. Uh, But (laughs) what I what I what do I say first? (laughs) What I tell folks is uh, I I started training at the Second City. We've talked about this personally before a little later than most. I think I was like 28, which Mm -hmm. is insanely young now that I'm not 28. But back then I felt old because everyone was like 21, 22
1: And I love that we have that in common because that's one of my signature stories. Y'all, you've probably heard it. Like I started improv at 30 and I quit and didn't go back until I was 32 because I was so afraid that I was sold. So Joe, you had me beat by two years. Uh, But now, I mean, 28 is old in an improv classroom. It feels that way anyway, but I love that we have that in common.
0: Yeah. And I went in, I went in like, honestly, clinically depressed. I don't know if I knew it at the time I needed, I needed Mm. it. And it appeared at the right time in my life. And wow, Michael Hartman was my first, Improv teacher, and I can just remember him looking at all of us 101 Second City students. I was on the performance track, but him, him saying, uh, look around. Uh, you can't make mistakes today. We're just going to play. You're going to learn to be a kid again, and you're going to learn to say yes because you've been saying no your whole life. And that was the first day when I started to sort of just have a new mantra, really. So to answer your question for me, saying yes in the real world is not always about saying yes, because people have some ridiculously dumb ideas. So sometimes you have to say you have to say no to survive in, in the world. You have to say no a lot, actually. But uh, I, I used to talk about it as a 10-second yes, that if what you told me wasn't uh, unethical, uh, immoral, or going to get me killed, I'll give you 10 <laughs> seconds. I'll give you 10 seconds to say, yeah, let's, let's play that out. If what, let's, what if we do what you're saying and, and that 10 second, yes. Uh, and, and then adding, yeah. And it would be like, this is how I approach most meetings and phone calls and opportunities. Uh, and so to me, it's really ultimately about being present and Mm -hmm. hearing what someone's saying so that I can give it a quick yes and then, uh, add to it and always say no later if it's bonkers. That's kind of what it means to me.
1: This is so good. There's like 8,000 things right there that I need to (laughs) tap into. Um, So, um, you know, I love that you gave us the reminder because I'm always hollering this, that no is okay. It is okay to say no. And the yes and mindset doesn't mean that we can't disagree. It doesn't mean that we can't have people on our team that see things differently. Actually, now more than ever, that is really important. You need like birds of a feather that flock together is actually kind of dangerous these days. And, and it's probably why comedy and SNL, like we have writer's rooms. We need a lot of eyeballs, a lot of hearts, a lot of energy on our work, right? So it doesn't mean that we can't have people on our team or in our life who who maybe see something different or push us in another direction. I don't know how you'd respond to this because it will come up for me in workshops. When I'm teaching this concept, people will go, but I'm that person. Like, hold on. If I say no, am I the person that no one wants to work with? And I'm like, well, hold on. No, because we need those people. What is the intention behind your no? I think if the intention behind your no is to micromanage is to manipulate is to control, is to instill fear. Then we're going to have some problems. But if the intention behind your no is to protect and expand, and maybe get us thinking about some roadblocks we might not see coming, then okay, we we have something we can yes and there. Right? It's actually right. a yes hand in disguise. What do you think about that? Because we've got to have no people to keep us safe as leaders. Is yeah.
0: The reason you don't say, I mean, when. Like, are most of your guests, they're not as nerdy improv as me, right? Like, no,
1: you might l- be l- one me. of the most nerdy improv guests I've had okay, on cool. in a long so, time. Okay, cool. So just here pull me
0: this. back. Let's if, nerd if out. If I start making, <laughs> if I make no sense to regular people, just let me know. Uh, but, so in improv comedy world, we call it blocking, right? Like you say, if you say Explain no, Explain that. I love scene. it. You block your partner. So, you know, you've done these, you and I start a scene and I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. doctor, we have a problem. And you say, I'm not a doctor. Now the Brick scene wall. is dead. It's over. Brick you wall. blocked, you blocked my ideas. Yeah. Um so uh the reason you have to say yes so much is you start when you start learning improv is because they have to break you like in boot camp of you walking out there and thinking you know what you're going to do. Yeah. Because that it, if two people have two different ideas in their scene for a scene which they always will. Yeah. Then they both have to let those ideas die and so they and then they can come back to life. So to me when it in real world you can't block, you can't blocking in like a meeting and saying things like, well, we tried that and it doesn't work as soon as somebody says, something, mm. or, um, you know, literally saying no, like just that Damn. word. No, when someone says we should try this, no, no, because blah, blah, blah to me. Yes. is so important at the beginning of a meeting, at the beginning of a relationship, the beginning of a company. Um, it's yes is what makes things move at the beginning. Mm. And then I don't know if they told you this, I can remember early on an improv, uh, my earliest teachers were like Jason Sudeikis and k It was an insane like just, cast. I mean, Jason and, Sudeikis.
1: But, like, that's who you played with. You got to like
0: literally come well, up I, with uh, Jason Sudeikis. I, well, he was one of my teachers. He was a uh, he was a fill-in teacher, so he would always be the guy who would come in if, when our other guy was sick. But but I remember wa- then I would go watch their show because, you know, I was in Vegas, not Chicago, but it was very similar. So they did a show every night of the week in Vegas. We could go for free and stand in the back, and I went like five nights a week. and. I would watch them say "no" on stage. I would hear them say the word "no," hmm. in a scene, and sometimes they were even meaning "Yes" when they said the word "no," and then I would come to like one hundred and one, on class and i would like, "Are oh, you said no?" And they' like, they're like, "Yeah, I can't. I'm fricking Jason Sedakis. like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, you cannot yet. You are not allowed you would have not earned your right to say "no" yet, because you, you have to learn the rules and then you know when to break them. And so I oh. think the same is true in real life. It's, you have to say yes enough." uh, in those early moments. And then you'll know when you need to say no, it start starts to become obvious, you know,
1: you have to know the rules in order to know when to break them. Right. I think that was a powerful thing to hear right now, because, um, what he was essentially saying to you is, you know, you know, like what what's that other famous saying it's like the very yoda like when when the student is ready the teacher will arrive right right, right? Yeah, when you right. when you've learned the rules you are then able to break the rules right so um what's an example i'm trying to think you know especially for the people who may be newer to the improv mindset and guys what we're really leaning into here is how to apply this yes and mindset to your life to your meetings Two, your leadership skills. I mean, Joe is an entrepreneur. He's running, God, two companies now. Side They've fast.
0: merged.
1: They've merged, right? They've merged. It's, so, just,
0: it's just LeaderCast now, yeah. Okay,
1: so it's LeaderCast, okay. Um, so you're having to find ways to facilitate probably a lot of different personalities and a lot of different ideas and a lot of different opinions. Like maybe give me an example of a time um, you, like. It, how would you coach to someone like on your team? Say you've got like the no person. Say you've got the brick wall person on your team. Say you have got the proverbial Debbie Downer. <laughs> um, you know, who is, and bring back that sketch, please. Like those are the best years right. of it SNL. Uh, if y'all don't know Debbie Downer, uh, please go Google that and go Rachel have Dratch. a good time on yep. YouTube with Rachel Dratch. Um but we all know these people, the people that stop the action, they're the brick walls, they're they're shooting, they, they don't offer up anything else. It's a no, like, how is Joe Boyd, you know, CEO of LeaderCast, but also a longtime serial entrepreneur and improviser using the yes and mindset to sort of get himself out of problems and deal with difficult people. You already alluded to the fact that like you begin things, like you start things. Like yes and is a great way to start New relationships, new conversations, new meetings—anything else? Like you keep in your back pocket that I feel that you need to tell me about. I feel like you've got a bag of
0: tricks. Sure, maybe. I mean, it, it's I not more. really a bag of tricks. It's but it's we have in, it's one of our core values: improvisation, and and we teach on it and what it means. Yeah. So, and what I I often will find myself doing, and and I do it one-on-one conversations too, um, is to to call out even before I say something I'm going to need a yes and mindset Ooh. for the next 15 minutes. Mm. And then after that, you can say no to anything you want. Uh, Cause I know when I, when I know what I'm about to say is you're going to want to say no. Mm. And I get that. And, and I want you to know, if you still feel that way in 15 minutes, I will listen and we can say no, like you can change my mind. But, but right now we're entering into, and that, that you know, It's usually in maybe strategy meetings, contentious meetings where we have to say things like that. Um, And then I think also some people, their gift, it's a weird thing where some folks gift is no in the sense of they're there to protect the Uh organization. Yes. Um, They, they form that function and I, or that, that is their function. And so sometimes it might be about knowing when you're having a yes meeting and when you're having a, a no meeting, so or a conversation, there are some folks that that maybe shouldn't be a major voice in where we're going in five years because their role is more to keep us on track today. And so I think sometimes when you get those folks in the wrong meeting, yes, I know you want buy-in from everyone. You we always have meetings where everyone can contribute, but you're sort of just setting them up for hell. You're just torturing. <laughs> um, yes. So it's sort of knowing, like, uh, finding the right roles, the right seats on the bus, all that kind of stuff, so that when we're in a, a yes-and meeting, we have folks that know what it means and then are, are sort of hardwired that way. Um, but I will say, to my detriment, because I am so into this, I, for years and years, subconsciously only hired yes-and people. Ah. It didn't mean that they would always agree with me; they often wouldn't, but they understood that that we were going to play together mm-hmm. um and as my company's grown and as we've merged, I have less natural yes and people on the team because we need we need them yeah. um so I think I didn't realize I was just sort of not setting myself up with, with yes men who would say every idea I had was great, that certainly what it was wasn't what it was but I was surrounding myself with yes and people who would play and, Mm -hmm. and organizations, everybody can't, can't be yes and all the time. Right. So I think it's, I think it's finding, um, finding those roles where, and specifically calling it out, making it part of your language.
1: That is, I have fires going off on every cylinder because I think that is like a really, like I needed to hear that, especially as my business is changing and evolving itself, even in this moment as we speak, I, I think we're always changing and evolving, but certainly as we, we think about growth, um, I think that is a really tactical application for any leader listening right now who is certainly building agendas and running meetings, like getting really clear. All right, y'all, this is a yes meeting. Or, all right, y'all, this is a meeting where we are gonna poke holes in it. Like, what am I not seeing? Right. Sure. And I think the other thing, and that's a great way to start. And then the other thing you sort of illuminated for me, and I heard, I can't think of her name right now, but she is the founder and creator of Poopery, the poop bathroom spray, you know, Poo-Pourri gel, Joe. Poohri, little thing. Yeah, a little, yeah. Yep. Okay, so the, the, she I, I follow her on Instagram. I'm totally blanking her name. Anyway, CEO and founder of Poopery. So she, big company. And she was talking about essentially what you just said. She goes, if you are in a, a yes meeting, a visionary meeting, a creative meeting, do not put your blockers, your block and tacklers, your um, integrators, your procurement and process people in those meetings yet. Because what will happen is that you will get blocked and you will hit brick walls and it's not time to hit brick walls yet. So if you are in the build, in the creation, in the conceptualizing of something new, get your yes and team around you, get your visionaries around you, the people who aren't afraid to take a whiteboard and just go crazy on it because that is where we really build and then we say okay here's what we want to go do how do we need to block and tackle who's going to do it how are we going to do it and that's essentially what I feel like you're putting down there like get clear on when there're no meetings poke hole meetings or when there're yes and yeah.
0: meetings we talk about uh di- diverge and converge so mm-hmm. and and it's often in the same meeting but sometimes it's best to just say we'll we'll continue tomorrow and we'll yeah. now So we we broadened it out. And this is how this is how yes and works in comedy for uh at SNL or anywhere that they're writing sketch comedy, right? You you say yes and we so we broke down yes and if you learned it this way, that the yes was agree and accept Mm -hmm. and the and is heighten and explore. Let's go. So agree and accept, heighten and explore, and that's how it all starts. But then you have to start saying no to build if you're if it's straight up improv on a stage, you do it naturally. But if it's writing sketch comedy, then you have to now say no or it's not going to be a sketch. You, mm-hmm. have, you, you agree and accept, you heighten and explore, you take it to its absolute extreme. And then usually <laughs> in comedy world, you back it up a little bit. Because yeah. the extreme, extreme, extreme is just weird. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes I think you can see that on sketch shows. Like I think they forgot to back, back it up because yeah. it was just too weird. Yeah. But take it as weird as it can be, as out there as it can be, and then say, you know what? This is like the seventh iteration of this idea. I think number four or five was the funniest and told the yeah. best story. And so I think in real world, I like to do that as well. So let's take this, you know, a lot of times in business, we'll have an amazing, like we'll yes, and heighten and explore all the way to an amazing idea that costs $80 billion. <laughs> so like now we're we hiring
1: like, Lo to come in and we got correct. like, we're renting yeah. out the like, Yeah, the big coliseum. I get it.
0: I get it. Yeah. So it's often money in real world where you're like, all right, guys. Yeah, this does sound like the most fun thing to do.
1: Right. But it's going to cost a million.
0: Everyone would love it, but let's be realistic. We have eighty thousand dollars. So let's start backing up into what this event or video or whatever it is we're creating needs to be. But I think it's good to force yourself to go to that extreme to not say no to yourself while you ideate, because it will always end up feeding. Uh, Your idea once you have constraints again. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense?
1: Yes, it does on so many levels. All right, y'all. And I have to share. um, Have you seen the new template for my newsletter, specifically the Vibe Check every Friday? Now, listen, if you get my weekly newsletter, you probably saw uh, a couple of Fridays ago, a whole new vibe, a whole new vibe. Um, After almost seven years-ish of kind of doing the same thing in the same format, we've redesigned it with my incredible designer. And it just feels super fresh and exciting, which is Kind of how I feel walking into 2023 at a time. Um, that feels really exciting for me and my business. And I want you to feel the same way on the other side of reading my newsletter. So a couple of things. If you haven't seen my newsletter in a while and you're on my list and you're like, well, well hold up. I haven't seen Judy's newsletter. We'll check your junk because it's probably hiding out in your spam. Or just send me an email to hello at judyholler.com or shoot me a DM on the gram and I'll get you, I'll get you added back to the list or we'll We'll work to figure out what's going on. You can always click the link in the show notes as well to get yourself signed up. Trust me, my newsletter is what thousands and thousands of people are calling the highlight of their week. And it's not your normal newsletter. It's basically what I call a newsletter mullet. Okay, because you're going to get two newsletters. It's like business on the front of the week and a little party on the back of the week. You know what I'm saying? Uh, So what does that mean? Okay, every Monday, you're going to get the keynote, the keynote, which is an under five minute read that could spark your next breakthrough. And I can guarantee it will inspire your week. Plus, we give you an assignment for you to take action on and think about this week. And then on Friday, you're going to get the vibe check. And in it, I share five things. I'm loving, learning, gifting, reading, doing, buying, etc. It is one of my favorite things to do every week. And it's definitely a vibe. So join the thousands of subscribers getting inspired every Monday and their vibe checked each and every Friday. I hope to see you there. Link in the show notes to sign up. Okay, back to the show. you know, if you don't mind, I mean, obviously you've tattooed yes and on your body. So at a visceral level, it it changed you. Right. And you said something a little personal at the top of the show about how you went into your first improv classroom, clinically depressed. Right. Um, Talk to me about how the improv classroom and what we do in the hallways of those buildings and, and sort of the freedom that is pumped into the ether of those classrooms. Like how did those things, you know, you can't mess this up and we're going to yeah. change your mindset. How did that pull you out? You know, and how long did it take? And tell me a little bit about that, whatever you're willing to share.
0: Sure. Yeah. I'm willing to share pretty much anything. It's just a matter of of how to really talk about it. But the, I, I, I'd grown up very religious and, and had gotten into, I was a pastor and had started a church in Las Vegas. Um, and by most counts it was going very well, but it wasn't a fit for me emotionally. Mm -hmm. And I was young. I was so young. I hadn't even asked myself questions around even my own faith. Do I believe this? So I just sort of fell into leading, uh, in a faith environment, unsure if I actually had that (laughs) faith. (laughs) And that created, uh, and I wanted, but it, it, everyone, most everyone that grows up, uh, Father Richard Rohr would call it in a container. Any, any of us that grow up with a, a strict belief system, even if it's a good one, uh, will go through a period where we question it. And it's usually starts in our late teens up through our late 20s. We have a season where we question it. And I was going through that while I was leading within it. And Mm -hmm. so that's what created ultimately, I'm prone to depression, but that made me feel trapped. And I had been told since I was a little kid that I was going to be, uh, an amazing preacher, pastor person. I was going to be the next Billy Graham or something. Um, so I had had all that built into me and then, then having the thoughts of maybe I don't, I don't know what I believe. I don't know if I want to do this, but everyone is still telling me I'm on this amazing track. Um, First of all, for me, I thought I could never go in a room that was not religious and and be accepted. Really,
1: wow!
0: Because my whole life, that's where I was accepted. Uh-huh. So going into the second city, clearly not religious, I was like, "Will they even like me here? Can mm-hmm. I even do anything other than what I've done my whole life?" Um, and I, I really just needed friends who knew nothing of my outside life, whether that you know any successes I had had, and I, I think. I think that's what started it. it but it was so it was highly rooted in in the community aspect of it and I'm still friends with those folks today you know um where because it is like an emotional boot camp I hate using that terminology because yeah. I'm such a wimp and I would not survive 1 minute in real boot camp uh but <laughs> comedy I mean boot either. camp <laughs> is about but it is the parallel is it's breaking you down emotionally yeah um only the stakes are There are no stakes really, except looking silly, but it's forcing you to take risks. Um, and it creates trust with people and it shows you that to me, it shows that if you live out sort of yes, and share the spotlight, um, you know, make your partner look better than you, you start to live out those things. You, you have honestly more friends, (laughs) people like you more. People trust you more. You begin to trust other people more. So it was the communal part probably that began to draw me out. And I still had to get therapy and all sorts of stuff, but it let me realize, oh, what's going on is I'm depressed because I wasn't in those three hours in the classroom. It was like medicine. But then when I wasn't in the classroom, it it it, it came back and I started, what's going? So I was just asking what's going on in me that this, yeah. that this is temporarily healing me right like what's mm. why why is this happening and uh that was a rambling situation no, it's but it, so it sent me on that and then i most people don't get to do what i did within 11 months it was my career and i was doing it full time that's what i was gonna for, ask did
1: you end up leaving the church at like and just going down the full improv comedy theater track out there in vegas
0: i left it vocationally yeah, yeah. um Saying I left the church in Vegas and went full on could mean lots of things. I was still a pretty good boy, generally speaking. <laughs> Let's clarify. But, um, Let's clarify. But, the, <laughs> but yeah, I went literally from overnight. I, one, I was a pastor, and then I was uh, my first full-time job was Tony and Tina's wedding at the Rio, doing it six nights a week. Get out. So I, I went from church work to working at the Rio uh, Casino, wow. doing playing Michael Just, if you know the show, the Tina's I don't. Here. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's, yeah. It's total... Uh, I love Tony and Tina's wedding. Some people hate it, but it's so fun. It, it, I'll it have was, to do some Google awesome. research. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: That's awesome. Well, what a departure. And, you know, thank you for, for clicking into that a little bit, because for me, um, like you, you know, we found it in different ways. Um, but certainly the mental health, you know, the, well, let's just say this. the I feel like improv for me was like mental wealth. It was teaching me how to get mentally well and like out of my own way. And um, you mentioned the word failure, one of my favorite F words, and I've got a lot. (laughs) Um, uh, So how are you with failure these days as a leader? Like what's your tolerance for pain like?
0: That's a good question, Judy Holler. So I I did a- uh, (laughs) We asked the hard pain
1: questions here on yes and.
0: (laughs) I did a TEDx talk actually on failure Oh, eight or nine years ago, maybe man. 10, I've lost track. And it was some people saw it a lot those first couple of years. And I, for two years, I got asked to go speak at places to talk about what a failure I was because that was my TED talk. I was like, I, because that's epic. No, nothing I ever tried in my life ended up as successful as I wanted it to be. Yeah. Some people look at it and say, Oh, you had success. I was like, Yeah, but I wanted to do this and I never got mm. there. And that happened like three or four times in my career. And, uh, and so, I, I did. I did get tired of being known as the guy who the failure talk guy. Um, but but my point of the TED talk was, which I still do believe that it is the um, it's failure and pain mm-hmm. that uh, that give us humility and wisdom. And I don't think there's actually any. I think it's the only way to learn humility and wisdom is to fail. Yes. So you can still be a good person, but you're not going to be as humble as you could be. And you're not going to be as wise as you could be if you haven't given yourself opportunity to have those failures. Mm. Now, if I'm being totally honest, as I turn 50 in six months, mm. I don't want to fail anymore. Like I'm yeah. so tired of it. <laughs> tired. I, I mean, I gave this, I gave the speech and everything, Do I, but you know, there's still things in my life that just yeah. aren't working perfectly and, yeah. and I'm going to keep failing. And I think when I gave that talk, when I was 40 instead of 50, I probably thought I was naively mostly done with it (laughs) but i think the hard part is as i've gotten older just realizing no it if you really it's just gonna keep going like and you're gonna and you know this we talked about this it's most people look at my life and say i'm successful and they think i'm nuts for feeling like a failure yeah for sure Uh, but it's how i felt and it uh it's super annoying if I would say that, and honestly didn't feel that way, just so people would tell me <laughs> but, yeah. you know as some sort of trick to like people to give me compliments, but it's it just what it's what goes on in your heart when when things don't go the way you you thought they would, even if they're okay yeah. uh it f- registered to me as failure, and so I think what I've done a better job in the last ten years is uh having those setbacks or miscues not feel like gut-wrenching failures. Um and probably doing that talk 20 times is what helped me <laughs> do. <deal with
1: it. laughs> yeah, that too. Processing on stage in public in front of a bunch right, of people. Right. You know, I'm always saying that, you know, this notion of like, you know, people are like, how, how are you do all how do you do all these things? How do you blah blah blah? And, you know, they see something from the outside or whatever. Um, how are you doing all these things? And I'm like, yo, I have a I have a good tolerance for pain. Like I have fallen off stages. I have bombed. I have gotten it wrong so many times. And I, and that helps me move faster because I have survived. I have lived. I have been able to figure it out. Right. I went through a two year global pandemic and I'm still paying my mortgage. You know what I mean? Like how? Sometimes I'm like I don't know how things are happening, but I keep moving, right? Even if it's small. And I think for me that was one of the bigger gifts. And I really hear you when you say that you walked like what your Jason Sudeikis said to you, like you're going to come in here and you're gonna you're gonna fail. Is isn't that what he said to you? Like what was the first thing he said? Oh, it was uh, gonna... the much
0: less famous Michael Hartnett. that Hartnett said, said, that said... On, "He's still in Vegas teaching improv." Uh, you no, know, but that, that's just I just remember his first speech was like you're. I don't know word for word, but basically, this is a place to fail. But you, place to fail. I love but that. you can't really fail because and we're just can't. telling stories, and nobody's gonna. Tarek Davis is an improviser friend of mine in New York yeah. City. He's killing it right now, and uh, he he says improv is toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he says when he starts. Pars- oh tell me teaching.
1: more. What does what does he mean by that? Like you just
0: you're going to use it once and throw it away and, and throw it away. Gonna yeah. <laughs> It's, it's a, so it's funny. it's here, it's done, it's over. Th- forget about it. But his point with it is, don't make it too important mm. uh because literally nobody cares. And and you, like a live improv, is usually the friendliest audience ever because it's all yeah. often other improvisers anyway. Yeah,
1: yeah, uh, yeah.
0: But but I know I've had some amazing shows, and people will come up and say. You know, do you remember this or that? And I'm like, I don't remember no. anything. I don't remember it at all. It's, it goes away. It's, it's an out of body
1: gone. experience. Yeah.
0: Really. Yeah. And then if you ever watch it on video, even mm. a great improv show on video is just kind of like meh.
1: Oh my God. You have to <laughs> like be in the room. It, once you,
0: once it's on video, you want it to be a sketch, which means you want it to be worked out more. Yeah. And have a better through line. But in the moment, it's toilet, it, it's, it's, it's toilet favorite. paper. Yeah. But it's, it's awesome. But it's Just, totally just let it go. You but gotta go to the next awesome. scene. It's like a. <laughs> Like Tiger Woods or some great golfer, I'm always amazed at how they can hit a shot as bad as I would, like awful. And then forget about it. Now they just Mm got to make a great shot now, and they do. And I think there's something about improv that is like that. Yes. You know, yeah. I think the biggest thing that holds talented improvisers back, ones that could really, really be absolutely amazing, is if they get in their head after a bad scene or a bad choice. Yeah. Um, that, that, that's almost that level from a great amateur to a pro is when you can say, yeah, that I suck that scene up like bad. Yeah. And then Owning year, it. I'm going to, I'm going to initiate the next one. And that one never happened. And, yeah uh, that's that any pro in any, in any sort of job is like that.
1: Yeah. You got, it's a reps. You've got to run the reps, yes. um, yeah. in business in, in life, in, in anything that you are doing, whatever your craft is, whether you crochet sweaters or you literally speak in front of thousands of people, like reps, you need reps. It's like anything, right? What would you say? I think one of the, there's two questions. Um, I'd like to ask you before we wrap up. Number one, what do you think we've, we've touched on a few, a few things, but I want to make sure I really um directly ask it because it comes up all the time you know what do you think people most misunderstand about like the yes and concept like what are what is the biggest misconception um you feel people have about yes and
0: I think it is what we talked about initially which is uh if i say yes to everything you know i i won't have any time uh i'll be saying yes to bad ideas i'll be broke i would have said yes to a con artist I would have given all my money to an Ethiopian prince online because he asked for it, so I have to say yes. <laughs> oh, I, I have think, a few of those emails I need to respond. Think, to By the way, I'm rich, Joe. I think, I'm rich. <laughs> yeah, people making it a rule, and I use that word rule. Probably shouldn't. People making it a rule more than a like a lens to see life through a or yeah. a mindset. Um, it should hurt just a tiny bit to say no because you're you're giving up an opportunity, but. You can't do your yeses if you don't say no to everything else, right? Yes. So it it isn't a rule, um, but it's an adjustment. And the re- what it really is, I think, is a, for folks that would say something like that, I would say, no, nah, I'm just trying to, I'm just, it's a no world. Mm. Like it's self-protective. We say no to everything all the time. There are some folks that really struggle with saying yes to many things. And that's not who I'm talking to. I'm talking to the rest of us that when a a call to adventure, to use my story language, appears our instinct is no. Mm -hmm. When a new possibility for a new friendship, it's just no. When, um, you know, I built my business, my first business, by just saying yes to what people needed. And it kind of helped me. So I think that's the number one thing. And I thought you were going to ask this, so I answered the question I thought you were going to ask too. uh, Oh, I love it. Yeah. Because people say, I'm sure you get this. When people ask enough about me, I'm a pretty quiet person generally. But if you ask me enough questions, you'll find out I did improv comedy. I did it professionally. Um, And once I explain it's not stand up, it's actually improv. Once once they figure that out, they almost always say, "Oh, I can never do that," Mm -hmm. or "Isn't that scary?" Yeah. And probably true. Like American Idol, some people can't sing. There are probably some people that can never do it professionally. A lot of people could that think they can't, but I think what they I think the the reps and the training part is what people don't get, which is like, people say I could never just get up on stage and make stuff up. Well, it's because you haven't been taught. to. Yeah. Like I don't technically know how to ride a motorcycle right now. I've never tried. I've never cared, but I could learn. Yeah. I might not be a pro, <laughs> yeah. but I think the the part of yes and and improv that yeah. is you, you know, I spent hours and hours and hours just learning how to do it, and then mm-hmm. practicing, like you said. Um, and I'm sure that relates in real life yeah. too, is you have to, it just takes some learning and training.
1: Yeah. And it it takes a reminder to everyone listening that y'all, none of us have a script, right? The, the essence of the improv theater is that there is no script, right? The the plot, storyline, characters, dialogue, all made up on the fly as we go. We use training, things like Yes, And to, to make it happen. Um, but I did not wake up with the script today. Um, I, I, I think whether you are, um, negotiating with a toddler or a teenager or your team. I mean, we are we are actually, I mean, this is the essence of one of my talks, like we're actually everyday improvisers because we are. Um, yeah. We may not not have had the formal improv training, but like every day we are moving through environments of uncertainty now more than ever. And every day we are finding a way to thrive in that unknown, to create solutions, to collaborate. So I just want to you know to piggyback on what Joe was saying, empower you to realize and recognize that you're you're already doing it, and if you can tap into um, the mindset and certainly the yes and leadership mindset, you will you will pour rocket fuel onto onto what you're doing. So I think that is like a great segue into like. You know the final thing I have to talk to you about, like, so you're doing this incredible work with LeaderCast, and I opened the show, letting everybody know the story about how like you called, and I got out. You know, when you get right. the call from the bullpen, <laughs> are you ready? And so I get this opportunity to go work for Joe and and speak on stage, and and he's a CEO of LeaderCast, and so there's a lot of. Um, leaders, HR professionals, folks in business, certainly in the C-suite and upper-level management that listen to this show. Um, and guys, you have to know about what what Joe has going on at LeaderCast. So, what are, what's the pitch, Joe? How can people? What is LeaderCast? What are you up to? And how can people learn more about the work you're doing because it really, really is juicy. And there's a track. We have a lot of female listeners. Inside Leadercast that is specifically for women, which is what I got involved in called Amplify. So talk to us about right. LeaderCast and and where people can go to learn more about the work you're doing in the world.
0: Sure, happy to uh, leadercast.com. Yeah. it's the best place to go to figure it out. Uh, it's pretty we've had a simple mission for 21 years. Uh, I've only had the honor of running the company for the last two. Uh, But it has quite a heritage and the same mission to fill the world with leaders worth following. So Mm. uh, most of the folks that are part of our community are what I call everyday leaders. They're leading three, four, five, ten people. They're leading a family. They're leading a school classroom. Uh, They're leading 12 folks on their team. And some of them are leading thousands of folks in big companies and government agencies. But what what they all have in common is they wake up every day uh, and want to be a better leader and feel that pressure. And so we're here to to help you do that and to build a community around you. Um, we're most known for our big events. We have uh, what we're pretty sure is the biggest one-day leadership event in the world because of all the people that watch it around the world. Uh, the next one's May 3rd uh, called Human Intelligence. And cool. so a lot of folks find us by uh, attending one of our events around the world at somewhere where it's being simulcast. We're live here in Cincinnati. It was in Atlanta forever. It's in Cincinnati now. Really um, but uh, you know, we also believe strongly that we're here to help people uh, have better teams and better, become better leaders every day as well. So our online platform allows you to, to use our content and our strategies to be a better leader. It's, it's pretty simple stuff, uh, but it's, it's uh, why, why I love doing it and why I sort of took a, a career jump in my life when this right. opportunity came, really without thinking much about it. I said yes really fast.
1: You yes answered this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I did. It's it's it really is an opportunity to change people's lives and in just the little ways. Because We all know, I hate going negative. If you've ever had a bad leader in your life, <laughs> then your whole life sort of sucks. Yeah, it, it really does. I say because that all the time, people a, don't
1: leave companies, <laughs> they leave shitty leaders, they leave yeah. toxic cultures. Like we have to figure this out, guys. You know what yeah. I mean? So yeah.
0: And I'm I'm a worse dad, I'm a worse husband, I'm a worse son if if I have a bad leader. Yes. So I just love knowing we can make leaders a little better, that ripple effect that, yes, it's going to make better companies. It's going to prove your ROI. All, all, all that's in the pitch, right? Yes, that's all true. Yeah. But we're, we're making people that are more mm-hmm. empathic, more, more grace-centered, more loving, more
1: mm-hmm. present.
0: That, yes. That's what we all need. Like that, that's what, wouldn't it be great if where we went to work made us more that way for the other parts of our life? Oh so gosh, that's why I get yes. up in the morning believing, believing these events and tools that we put out there can help folks do that.
1: Well, you are doing it, and I was honored to be a part of it, and I got to listen in and see the content, and so I am um, a witness to the magic that happens in those rooms, and certainly on that stage. And guys, we'll link up to the event on May third if you want to learn more. Um, certainly, everything Joe Boyd and LeaderCast is linked up in the show notes, and you know, Joe, it is it is so cool to have had you here on the show and to sort of get to know you a little bit more and to. Share share your mindset and perspective on yes and leadership with like all the beautiful heartbeats that listen to this show so just thank you for being here you um you're the man man you're the man
0: thanks judy instant improv sister the first time i met you i'm telling you i got i got your back all the time
1: i got your back too i got your back too thanks for being here joe okay All right, guys, wasn't that good? I mean, the yes and mindset. I love specifically how we talked about the really tactical stuff about how we can run our meetings. Like even just saying, okay, I'm going, this is a yes meeting, guys. So I need my yes people in the room or this is going to be a yes and maybe we poke holes in it meeting, right? Like really getting clear on what kind of meetings we're having with our people and our teams can help us stay focused and keep us in the magic if we need to be in the magic and then keep us in... Um, the 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 space of, okay, we're here to sort of poke holes in this. We're here to look at what maybe we're not seeing. We're here to have potentially some yes, but moments, but with the intention of staying in the way of the magic, right? So what is the intention behind the but? Um, we do need But people in our lives. But if the intention is to control and micromanage, we're not going to get really far. So I thought it was enlightening. I hope you did too. My goodness, let me know what you thought about the episode. Send me a note on Instagram. Email me anytime. Share it with your buds. Make sure you leave us a review. Hit that subscribe button. And my goodness, uh, go check out AdvoCare because every time you support them, you support us. So I can't wait to be here with you next week right here on the Yes And Airwaves. In the meantime, Keep moving, baby. Keep shining
0: and stay brave.